So welcome to another episode of The Swamp Inside Florida Athletics. I'm your host, Anthony Beck, and my co-host is going to be a little bit late tonight. So just bear with us here. But I have two special guests. You've heard them before. They're both from Rivals.com and on Gators Territory. I have Connor Clark and Hector Rodriguez joining me tonight. So what's going on, guys? How you guys doing? I'm doing great, man. How about yourself? Doing good. Yeah. Hey, man, what's, what's going on here? What's I'm, going I'm doing on? pretty good, I'm good. Thank you for asking. How about you? Doing good, doing good. Even though this episode is going to be a little depressing, especially if you're a baseball fan, because we are recapping the 2021 season of the Florida Gators baseball team, which ended in dreadful fashion. And I do mean dreadful. That's a nice way to put it. Yeah, maybe I'm being a little yeah, too that's, nice. That's putting it nicely. <laughs> yeah, I'm being yeah. a little too nice. Yeah, um, they they lost in their re- in the Gainesville Regional five to two to South Florida, and then the second game in the elimination <laughs> game just got absolutely dragged by South Alabama, nineteen to one. Oh, hurt to say that score. So, in, in in talking about the season, guys, what what were your thoughts on the season? And you can be as completely honest as possible. So, if you want to go off on the team, you you have free reign to do it. But what what was your takeaway from this season, Hector? You're more than welcome to go first on that, sir. All right. Well, I mean, flat out was disappointing. I mean, Florida came into the season you know, overwhelmingly the number one team in the country. I don't think there was any website or magazine or newspaper that didn't think Florida was the best team in the country. And, you know, they had them there for all the right reasons. They only won – they only lost one game in the in the sort of in COVID 2020 season. They looked great. You know, they go into Miami, who at that time Miami was the number one team in the country, sweep them on at their home. You know, their only loss was to a pretty good – FSU team, and a lot of things really just didn't go Florida's way that game. But, you know, Florida came in, you know, as, you know, the College World Series favorites, which, to be honest with you, is kind of a bad thing in college baseball because, as we just saw earlier this week, Arkansas is out. And Arkansas was a team that a lot of people didn't know, if, you know, anybody could really beat them. And nice NC State took two out of three against them after losing 21-1 in the first game. They took the next two against the Hogs, and I mean, look, the number one team in the country has not won the national championship in college baseball since 1999, and that was the Miami Hurricanes. It hasn't happened since. So it's very difficult. You know, that just shows you how difficult college baseball is, but, I mean, as for the as for the Gators, they just didn't have a good year. There were two – the only thing that, were, that they were consistent at was being inconsistent. You had, you had issues with the offense, you know, guys like Judd Fabian – that really didn't have the season, you know, everyone expected them to. Josh Rivera got off to a slow start. And then you have the pitching that was just inconsistent. I mean, Tommy Mace, for the most part, was a pretty consistently good arm. But then you have all the injuries to the bullpen. The bullpen, they can't really figure out the bullpen. It looks like they figured it out towards the end with Leftwich as the closer. But, I mean, in the regionals, you didn't even give Leftwich a chance to close the game out, especially the last one. Like. But yeah, it was it just wasn't a good season for Florida. 
Um, you now, you know, next season, you know, you're going to lose a lot of guys because at the end of the day, this was a very talented team. I mean, you're going to see like six or seven guys that are on this roster that are going to get drafted and probably go start their professional careers. But I mean, it just it, it wasn't a good season for Florida, and I think the biggest thing that Kevin O'Sullivan and this team needs to do is hit the reset button and focus on the 2022 season. There's a lot of good young talent on this team and they have the number one recruiting class in the country. So, and we'll actually see which guys actually make it to campus because I can guarantee you the top two guys will not be making it to Gainesville. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I hate that you brought that up because, you know, before we even started the show, we were talking about how Chase Petty was going through his routine and, and was throwing basically 200 miles an hour. And, and you know, and seeing him do that, and it's like, wow, this kid's not making the campus. He'd be great for us next year. But, yeah, I, I echo the same sentiments. I mean, I was very disappointed in the way the season ended, especially with that last game. And, you know, i just say this. As a former baseball player who's played his whole life, you can tell there's a difference between just flat-out losing and packing it in and giving up. It looked like they packed it in and gave up. So that's that's really honestly what disappointed me the most. And, Connor, what were your thoughts on on the season? Yeah, Hector pretty much articulated my thoughts <laughs> almost to a T, man. Uh, I think he hit the nail on the head when he said that the team was consistently inconsistent. Yeah, you have, you have you have the worst fielding team in the history of Kevin O'Sullivan being at the University of Florida. Um, I get that there were some young guys on on the field at times, but you you return what many thought to be a surefire first round prospect in center field in Judd Fabian, who struck out more times than I can even count. Um, and I know the game's kind of going towards a more uh, boomer bust type of mentality where strikeouts are a lot more common but the home runs kind of kind of outweigh that in the in the major league game now to an extent I should say um but I think the only consistent offense that you saw all year were from Jacob Young and Nathan Hickey uh, and both of those guys will be gone next year so uh it's gonna be a, a completely different team that you're looking at next year and I think quite honestly it might be kind of needed uh, you've got some young guys that got a lot of playing time early and throughout the entire season that'll kind of be your guys that you lean on in uh, Sterling Thompson Matt Gassetti Colby Halter um, but I think the team kind of needed a facelift going into next season and they'll definitely get that like Hector said they've got a, a lot of talent on the roster that'll get drafted you look at Tommy Mace, Jack Leftwich, uh, Jacob Young, like I said, uh, Judd Fabian. The, the the list goes on and on about how many people Sully's continued to put into the majors um, and get drafted to the next level. But I think the best thing for Florida going into next year is that they are going to have a completely new roster just about um, and hopefully put this, if I want to say this nicely, subpar year behind them. Uh, and kind of yeah. build, build. That's fair to say. Yeah, subpar was, is 
a very, very nice way to put it because, I mean, when you, when you look at the roster, it's, it's, like y'all said, it's a lot of talent on the roster. And, yes, yeah, a lot of guys that are going to get drafted. But, you know, we're going to get a facelift in another area with guys transferring out. And so, Hector, can you kind of run down the names of the guys that are already announced that they're transferring? And which one yeah, so, is, is which one do you think could be the biggest loss of the group? Well, so Flores lost seven guys already to the transfer portal. To be honest with you, all seven guys are not a surprise. They were kind of expecting that's kind of where college baseball is heading towards college sports in general with a one time transfer role now. Um so let me see if I can get all seven guys off the top of my head. You lose Corey Acton, Jacob. Um, J- Jordan Butler, um, Hunter Mink, Chase Santala, um, Ben Speck, um, Andrew Roberts, and there's another guy. Um, oh, and uh, graduate transfer, Brock Edge. Um, out of those seven, the biggest one's going to be Ben Speck, and the reason why is Speck was your closer in 2020. So he was a guy that was heavily counted on, especially in big moments. You know, Sully pointed towards Speck last season, but this season he just wasn't used a lot. You know, he's a guy that I expected to be one of Florida's most used bullpen arms, with the exception of Christian Scott, because Scott can eat up multiple innings and be efficient for two to three innings, while Speck, I think, is more of a one-inning guy. But Florida really wanted to try it out Franco Alamont. I mean, you could see the talents there with Franco. He's definitely got a live arm, but I don't think that really, you know, I don't think that pleased. I don't think Speck was happy with that. And I think that's probably what led to him leaving, you know, just the lack of usage and also him getting passed up on by a a Juco transfer that you could tell that had talent but really just struggled, you know, kind of another guy that was just consistently inconsistent this year. Because you would see a lot of – you'd see some good Franco Alamon when – he was just absolutely lights out. And then you would see Franco Alamon like walk like five guys in a row against the University of Miami. That cost them the series. At least cost them that game. But yeah, so it's you know, it's, you gotta take the good with the bad. But to be honest with you, most of these guys I think are replaceable. The only guy them that would be the biggest loss would be Speck. But I think you get a couple big name guys like Nick Pogue and Tyler Nesbitt back, you know, guys that you missed the entire season due to Tommy John surgery, you know. All you got to do is hope that their surgeries went well, and more supportly, they re- their rehab went well. Yeah, definitely, because, you know, everybody knows with Tommy John surgery, that takes a long time to recover from. So, yeah, we hope those guys can get back to, if maybe not all the way to what they were, somewhat close to it. And, yeah, with Ben Speck, I mean, I think we all saw when he had that spat with Sully against South Carolina, I think we kind of all saw the writing on the wall there. I mean, because it was really after that series where you didn't see him hardly any at all, if at all, afterwards. And so, yeah, him transferring wasn't a surprise to me. So hopefully we can get guys to come in and maybe replace those guys. And and I wanted to kind of ask, like, is there anybody – is there – any, I want to say, well, in the because you said college baseball is changing with the transfer portal, and 
really college athletics, like you said, as well. So is there anybody that they're maybe looking at in the transfer portal? Maybe like any pitchers or anybody? Because I know pretty much this into a lot of the two starters, the top two guys left with Jamace, they're they're gone. So is there are they looking at bringing in anybody from the portal or could it be a high a couple of high school kids that come in and maybe replace them? Well, they're definitely going to try to use the high school guys if they can keep some of their top guys like Brandon Neely, Pierce Kapala, and Philip Abner. Then you know that's great. But baseball, I've heard. I mean, I wrote an article a couple weeks ago. I think about a week or two ago that talked about three potential targets. Two of them were hitters, um, and the other one, what the last guy I put was a right-handed pitcher out of Missouri, their ace. But after I wrote that article, somebody had informed me that. Chances are they're not going to look at bats. They feel pretty comfortable with what they have in their recruiting class and also with the guys that they already have. That if they were to go to the portal, they'd probably grab a they'd probably grab an arm and somebody that's that has veteran experience. They're not going to try to pick up an underclassman. It might even be the grad transfer, a guy that they can use. And I think it would be a bullpen arm because I think going into this season, I think you have two starters. In my mind, I think you have um, you got Barco and Sparat. I think Brand, you know Brandon made the USA Collegiate team, so I think he's a yeah, guy. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, he looks. I think he's a guy that is going to get a lot of looks. He's going to get the first cracks as a starting pitcher. Um, outside of him, you might see some Timmy Manning. Uh, Manning at one point was a top prospect for the draft. Actually, made his way to campus. I know he didn't have a great season, but. He's a kid that I think needs to need some development, and he'll be in he'll be in the Cape Cod, so he will see some great competition. So I, I'm I'm interested to see how Manning does in the in the Cape Cod. If he does well, then I think he's a guy that could potentially, you know, crack the weekend rotation. Or hey, look, Florida's got two JUCO kids committed, and there's one guy that was really good as a starter, and that's Sean Gilliams. He's he's only played one year, so Florida will get him for three at least. You know, at most three years, got three years of eligibility left. So maybe Sean can be that guy if Sean makes it to campus. So, look, I think Florida's got plenty of good options, but I do see if I if they do go in the portal, I think it's for an arm, and it's going to be an older guy that brings some experience to what I believe will be a very young staff. Yeah, and Connor, um, is there anybody that? Well, really, in this recruiting class, is there anybody that that you think could possibly make the campus and make an impact next season? Oh, if he's still uh, on here. The, yeah, I'm, I'm here. I'm here. Um, I mean, the class is loaded, man. Uh, the number one recruiting class in the country. So any one of these kids that makes it on campus, I think, uh, has the chance to make an immediate impact. Uh, Hector would know better than I do. Um, but I do think if um, left-handed pitcher Jack Caglianon, and I'm, I hope I didn't butcher that kid's name, um, I think if he somehow finds a way to make it to campus, that he could be a, a huge arm for Florida, whether it be um, out of the bullpen early in his career or if he could find a way to earn a starting role because, like uh, Hector said, there's going to be a spot, at least a spot open uh, for competition, so... Yeah, that was a guy I was looking at as well, you know, to come in and maybe 
have a chance for a spot in the in the weekend rotation if he's able to come in. I hope he comes in and you know, and maybe he doesn't get drafted higher than we think. But you know, for me personally, you know, I gotta have a Jay Allen update. Is there a chance he makes it to campus? Please, God, say yes. Are you asking me? Yeah. I, I definitely think that there's a chance that Jay Allen can make it to campus. I mean, there's a chance that – I mean, I saw a module up that had Andrew Painter not going in the first round. If Painter doesn't go in the first round, that would surprise the hell out of me. And also, that might that might piss off Painter. But I expect Painter to go in the first. I'm not trying to get you guys excited about a six foot seven, 230-pound right-hander. That yeah, don't do that. Could, <laughs> No, that's why. That's why. I mean, look, I saw that and it caught me by surprise. But I fully expect Painter to get drafted very to get early and to make a lot of money. But Jay's an interesting guy because there's definitely talent. I mean, you wouldn't be talking about him as a potential high end draft pick if Jay Allen wasn't incredibly talented. The biggest question is, you know, you know, he's got, you know, he's played two other sports his entire life. He's been a basketball player and a you know, we all know him as a football player because he was in the Elite Eleven, and he was a three-star recruit. I think on right, I think Rivals had him a three, three-star. But it's, you know, it's going to really be if the team believes in his bat, because I think that's the, that's his biggest, you know, question mark, his bat. And the reason why is because teams haven't really been able to see it a lot because he has other things that he's doing. So if if a team looks at Jay Allen because the speed's there. The gloves there, the base running's there. You know, it's just really, you know, can we see this kid being a good hitter? You know, or do we wait a few years down the road? You know, we see what he does at Florida, and then if he does well at Florida, then we take, then we jump on it. But I mean, that's going to be the big question. If Jay makes it a campus, I think he's, I think he is your starting center fielder. I think he's a guy that you could probably put in the bottom of the order to start off his career, just like how. Florida did with Judd Fabian, put him in the ball in the order, and let him learn and let him get comfortable. Because, I mean, Judd, we all know Judd is a top prospect, but Judd started off his career like as a 230-240 hitter. But that was expected because Judd was supposed to be a senior in high school. But, Jay, if he makes it a campus, I think he would be your starting center fielder and a guy that plays a lot, will play great defense, will steal a ton of bags, but the hitting might take a little bit to develop, especially against SEC pitching, because that is the absolute best pitching you'll see at the at the amateur level. Yeah, yeah, and I, I agree one hundred percent. I mean, if he makes it to campus, he he definitely has to be the starting center fielder. I mean, the potential with him is through the roof. I mean, like you say, he plays three. He plays football and basketball as well, so he hasn't really fully played baseball. And so, yeah, the potential is definitely there. And like I said, the ceiling for him, I mean, there there is no ceiling with him. I mean, he's a guy I think that can develop into a great player. And if the bat comes along, that's going to be even better for us. The other guy, I'm not sure if I'm going to get his name. I'm just going to call him by his first name. That I'm interested in seeing whether he makes campus is Renee. I can't pronounce his last name. Yeah, him. Yeah. Is there a chance that he gets drafted, or does he can he possibly make it to campus? Earlier in the year, I would have said Renee's an elite defensive catcher. 
a guy that has great size and power potential. I would have told you that he's probably a second or third round pick. We're getting we're about a month away from the MLB draft, and I can't find Rene on a top 200, top 250 prospect list. And for me, that's very confusing because I look at Rene; he's about six foot three, 205, 210. That is great size. He's got a tremendous size. He is an elite defensive catcher, um, perfect game all American, and he has some you know really nice power. He's a good power hitting catcher. So I would expect teams to be really interested. Now there are a lot of really good catchers at this high, in high school, but I mean, I thought Randy would be getting a lot more love. He, is. I know he played in the MLB draft league and he performed well. I know I think he hit a couple home runs, but you know everything I'm I'm hearing. You know, I think there's a legit chance that he ends up at Florida. I think there's a legit chance, and I think he's a guy that could put push Megas for that starting role as a catcher. There's another guy that we don't talk about a lot, but he was he he was very good in, in the fall. Wyatt Langford. That's a private. He's a primary catcher. He can also play third, but primarily he's a catcher. You know, Florida I think has a lot of really good options behind the plate. You know, Sully usually has very good catchers. So, you know, this is one position I don't think Florida's worried about. And I think Rene, as of now, if the draft was today, I would say Rene is in Gainesville by the fall. Wow, that would be huge. Yeah, yeah the that Florida's would, yeah, that would be would be elite. For, so what what reason do you think he's falling down draft boards? Is he a is he a big swing and miss guy? Is, is I think that has to do with it. I don't think I don't think the hit tool. I from what from what I heard, a lot of his hits were home runs. Like when he when he made contact, I mean the shift flew, the ball flew, no doubt about it. Like he when he when he hit the ball, it was with authority. Okay. But I think people are more worried with better velocity with higher velocity you know, higher spin rates, better stuff, that that swing and miss is going to, you know, become more of an issue than what it is now. Okay. And that's why some – and also just in, just in general, high school catchers terrify scouts. High school, like, they can be, like, the absolute man in college. And a guy that – actually, Connor, you and me were talking about him earlier, a kid that was signed to Florida and was a first-round pick by the New York Yankees, Anthony Siegler, you know, a guy that – Everyone had like a switch hitting catcher with power and elite defensive. Like everyone was like, "This guy can't. This is a guy that can't miss." Him, I can't miss. He's barely over the Mendoza line. He, I think he's batting at two or three in his career, and that is and that kid was is special. He has a special talent. There's a kid that that plays for the Marlins organization, Will Banfield. The Marlins had to pay a million over a million dollars, you know, over slot value just to keep him away from Vanderbilt. He's a sub two hundred hitter, but great defensive, elite defense. But he can't. But he can't. You know, he's. You know, that's why a lot of a lot of guys, a lot of scouts are just afraid of taking the chance on catchers. I know with playing catcher, uh, managers and organizations are are a little bit more understanding about your batting average being a little bit lower. Um, in in that situation, because the catchers are tasked with such. Yeah, such a lot of stress on their bodies being in that position so many games a year and all that stuff but you're saying that that kind of stuff still still kind of scares people away early in the draft 
Yeah, because if they don't like, there's a catcher in Henry Davis from Louisville. That kid is might be is probably the best college bat in this draft. He okay. might be the number one overall pick, but that kid is incredible. Like he, like everyone was already talking about him as a stud defensive catcher. I mean, he has probably the strongest arm behind the plate, but his offense took off this year. And there's a guy from Florida State, Matthew Nelson, who is now starting to get like national buzz, and he had like. 320 with 20 bombs. We, we don't the thing is, get on this podcast. Hey, I got, hey, I, the kid, he's a South Florida guy. I got to give him some love. Yeah, hey, man. South Florida yeah. Kid. I had to say it for Anthony. I'm sorry. Yeah, because, uh, yeah. Um. Hey, hey, I give everyone respect, right? If you earned it, you earned it. I mean, if you want, I could talk about Del Castillo out of Miami because that's another kid that's really good. But if a team's going to draft you super high, they're going to need you to hit. Yeah. They get, they, you know, and Rene, who is committed to Florida, a big name, a big time program, Rene's going to be asking for a ton of money. So if a team doesn't feel confident enough that he's going to be able to come into your farm system and hit immediately, you know, he'll be great defensively because that his defense will carry to to the professional level. But they have question marks about the bat, and if they draft him second or third round, and he's no just not hitting. That- Right away. Then that scout's going to look bad. At yeah. that point, they'd rather go after a college guy or they just go at a different position. You know, that's that, that's really what it's about. I don't think it really yeah. affects Nathan Hickey because no one would use him as a catcher. Yeah, and I find that interesting because I wanted to ask, you know, I was yeah, because I was going to ask, like, why does high school ter- catchers terrify scouts? Because some of these guys – I mean, you look at them, and they're elite hitters in high school, but then as I think you kind of explained it a little bit. You know, with Anthony Siegler, you know, he's in he's in minor league baseball. He's struggling to hit right now. So, yeah, I was that was going to be my question. Why exactly? Like, besides that, what else exactly terrifies scouts about high school catchers? Is it just that or, you know, is there something else also? I lost a little bit. Can you say that again? Like besides maybe hitting, like is there anything else that would terrify scouts about high school catchers? Like why why exactly is that? Well, I'm gonna actually kind of use it as a football reference here. Um, for running backs, if you have a running back that's been playing running back for a long time, then he's getting, you know, he's got a lot of mileage on him. If you have a catcher that's been catching his entire life, you know that could, you know, like how long can he actually catch? How long are those knees going to be able to handle him, you know, being behind the play, especially when he gets older in his career? Like, there's one high school catcher that isn't getting that type of scare. His name is his name is Harry Ford. He's out of Georgia, committed to Georgia Tech. But he is so versatile defensively. Like, number one, he's being compared to Craig, B- Craig Biggio, a 3,000 hitter. So, but he can also play second base. He can play the outfield at a very high level. So... Teams aren't that worried about him. Like, okay, what if his knees give out? Don't worry, he can play other positions. For the catchers, especially catchers that have been around for, you know, catching for most of their life, you have mileage on your knees. And, I mean, we've seen it with major league catchers. There's guys that, I mean, you can be yachty and, play, and catch three games in a row at the age of 37. And then you could be Joe Maurer, who his your knees start giving you issues at the, you know, in your late, late 20s, early 30s. And at that point, you can't even catch anymore. You're, you become a first baseman. And if your offensive numbers aren't that good, 
you know, the, your first baseman needs to rake. If your third baseman is batting 230 with and 10 home runs, that's not a good first baseman. You can live with that behind the plate, but if he can't produce at the plate and he's playing first, then guess what? He's not going to have a job. Yeah, yeah, that that, make, that makes a lot of sense. And I like the football reference because when you put it that way, yeah, it definitely makes a whole lot of sense now that I think about it. And before we continue, I just want to say my co-host is not going to be able to make it tonight. He's not feeling well, so just want to say hope you get well soon, bro. And we'll, We're definitely going to be praying for you, and hopefully you'll be back next week. So Amen. just get well soon, man. You yes. said what? Man, Amen. Hopefully he gets better soon, man. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And um, and, and going back to to the season, I I debated whether I would do this, but I'm just gonna say, you know, when we lost when we lost 19 to one, not only was I, uh, of course, I was disgusted with what I was watching, but I mean, I, I don't think I've ever seen a team. Get hot during the SEC tournament and play really well, and then in the NCAA tournament they kind of just the worse than just laying egg. They just it all. If to me it felt like they walked into this regional with the mindset of, okay, it doesn't matter who we play, we're gonna win this regional anyway. I mean, we can just walk out there and our talent's gonna overtake everybody. It for me it kind of felt like they had that mentality. And Anthony, still there? Yeah, I'm still there. I'm still here. And yeah, what I was saying was like it felt like they kind of walked into this regional thinking they were just gonna run through everybody. And with baseball, you can't have that mentality because I mean, we all know baseball's a funny game. Anything can happen. It's the one sport where you can be the favorite and all of a sudden you lose the way we did. So would you would you guys say that? What what was what was in the nineteen to one loss especially? What do y'all think the biggest issue was? Did it just look like they just flat out didn't care anymore? They knew guys were leaving, or was it just one of those days where recording. everything just went right? Hello. Uh, yeah, you still there? To to me in that situation, uh, I mean, I I'm not gonna lie to you. I turned the game off. Uh, at, at some point during I don't play games, I, I completely turned it off. Um, but from the part that I did watch, it just kind of looked like they gave up, man. Like they didn't want to be there. They played somewhat effectively early in the game, but once once they started getting run off the field by South Alabama, it looked like they just didn't care to be there anymore and just said, "Screw it, We're, season's over." Can you guys hear me now? Yeah. Yeah, we can. Right. There we go. So, you guys were talking about the 1901 loss, I'm assuming. Yeah. 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 Like, what Like, did what did it look like to you? Did it look like they gave up, or was it just <laughs> one of those games where everything just went wrong for Florida and everything went right for South Alabama? Because I agree with Connor. It looked like to me they just flat out gave up, like they didn't even want to be there. And that's the part I, that's the biggest issue I had with it. My thing is, I think this team, after they lost to USF, guys got selfish and started thinking about themselves, especially the older guys. Now, one guy I know for a fact that isn't like that is Jacob Young. Jacob Young is definitely not one of those guys, but I think some of the guys started looking towards 
there's draft stock and kind of give up on the season. Now, we'll say this. 1901 is a lot of runs to lose by. And, I mean, for a guy like Brandon Sparrock, who throws so damn hard to get hit around like that, like, it was it was comical at that point. Like, how does a guy like a, that throws 100 miles per hour get squared up like that? Like, that just didn't make sense. It was to the point that I was just laughing. I was like, Jesus Christ, what is going on? Yeah. I don't, I don't think yeah. Brandon's ever been hit like that in his life. Oh no, uh, he did. He did a couple times here when he was playing at Pace. There was a couple times where they played Catholic High School, and yeah, they touched him up a little bit. Yeah, so, but he wasn't throwing hundred miles per hour back then. He was, oh no, no, not back then. It wasn't. He was upper eighties, low nineties. He hit a hundred, and somebody hit one hundred and ten right back at him. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I I agree with I agree with all of that as well. I mean. I don't. It was just. It was just a, one of those things where it's like, yeah, like they were thinking about themselves individually, and I just, I just that just didn't sit well with me. I mean, it's one thing to lose, but to lose like that, and the basically have a selfish attitude, ex- with the exception of Jacob Young, because you can tell that kid's just a ball player. That 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 kid's just a ball player, and he wants to go out there and win, no matter what the score is. He was he was really the only one playing hard the entire game. And so, I I definitely agree that that there there has to be a change with that mentality. I mean, you can't you can't go in you can't go in the next season even thinking like that. You would think the team meeting they had because we were on with Nick. He said they had a team meeting, a players only meeting, and they kind of came together right there. And you would think that that would have helped, but it, it just didn't. I mean, I, I I just didn't get it. I didn't get it at all. You're not the only one, man. Yeah, and Connor, I know, I know you said you you have to be off soon. So, do do you have any? Do you before you head off have any final thoughts of what you want to see next year? <laughs> that way, we don't have a disaster of an end like we did this year. Uh, I I think it's just kind of what uh, what I had said earlier. Uh, like Hector mentioned as well the guys at the end of the season aside from Jacob Young kind of just seemed like they were looking out for themselves. Uh, you didn't really see that usual camaraderie that you see with Sully coach teams uh, and really Florida baseball teams since I've been watching since I was a little kid. Um, just that family mentality that you didn't see the the celebrating that you usually see from the guys or the pitchers coming off the mound and everybody in the dugout jumping up and down and just showing love. And I, I think the best thing that can happen for these guys is to kind of get a whole new fresh, fresh set of, set of faces in there and get a brand new start. Uh, that's, I think what, what Sully needs at Florida here with the, with a number one recruiting class. Hopefully he gets all these, or not all of them, that never happens in baseball, but a good portion of these guys on campus, and we can build to the future because it's going to be a young team. Yeah, yeah, they're they're going to be a very young team. And, um, yeah, I, I just want to see a more close-knit team as well. I mean, yeah, because I, I agree. Like, you never saw you, – you can just say, like, they were never as close as 
we thought they were. And and yeah, I know you said you had to go, so let everybody know where we can follow you and read your articles. Yeah, man, I appreciate you allowing me to come on, hang out for a little bit. Uh, my f- Twitter account is CJ underscore Clark one. Uh, I write for Rivals.com as well as Hector. Uh, we write for Gators Territory. Uh, really enjoy being able to do that. Uh, and I appreciate you guys letting me talk a little bit of baseball because I cover uh, mostly football recruiting and then uh, obviously team stuff during the fall. Um, so it was fun to kind of cut my chops a little bit with baseball and hopefully I didn't uh, embarrass myself too much with uh, with my takes. No, oh, no, man. You, oh, no, you, you didn't. Your, t- your takes were spot And before you go, two things. Uh, yeah, um, we, we, we definitely need more of the scoop recruiting-wise, like some inside stuff that nobody else knows. And uh, if you can get some of us into the Florida-Alabama game this upcoming season, I mean, we, we definitely appreciate it. I don't even know if I can get myself into the Florida-Alabama game. That's going to be a tough ticket this year. Yeah, I'm going to need you to uh, talk with Nick and uh, hook us up. <laughs> if if he can, he he owes us at the line us about the baseball team. He he owes us <laughs> big time. Yeah, I saw I saw um I saw some people not happy with Nick about lying, but to be honest with you, I was spreading those same lies too because I mean that's what we were all told and that's what we all saw last season. But the so, man made it on ESPN as some Gator beat. Oh, that that that's funny. That is so funny. <laughs> that was hilarious. Yeah. Going and talking about USF, but uh, you know, I, th- I think USF's got to give Nick a little bit of credit. You know, without him, you know, I'm, I'm not sure if they make that run. You know, they were definitely feeding off Nick's energy, <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. And we definitely appreciate Connor for coming on tonight, talking a little baseball, yes, sir. But yeah, that, that was funny. I'm watching the USF Texas game, and I hear that I was like, oh my god, he. He, I'm, I'm just glad they didn't say his name. If they would have said his name, if they would have said his name, I, I would have lost it right there. I don't think they were. I don't think they remembered the name off the top of his head. I will say this: if, if I would have, if I tweeted that out, there's guys that on that USF team that, first off, that were at Florida. Their center fielder Roberto Pena is a former Gator, but also there's guys there that I know their family wise. So. They would have definitely remembered me saying something like that. So, you know, I'm glad Nick was the one that took the hit because, I mean, they didn't say his name, but my name would have for sure been out there. Yeah, I would have had to pause the TV right there, screenshot it, and post it on all social media, and then have to tag you in all of it and make sure it was viral. But, um, like, me personally – um. It's there the one recruit that we well the one not recruit the one player that I'm interested in seeing whether he makes a jump is Josh Rivera because I feel like like you said he got to a slow start then he kind of came on and then he kind of went into a slump again I I honestly think with him the power's there it's just he's not showing it as much but I think he has legitimate power once he really squares up with baseball like would you agree with that? Yeah, he's definitely got power. I mean, you could see, I mean, with the exit velocity coming off his bat is impressive. But his he's more of a line drive hitter. You know, most of his power is gap to gap. I don't think he's ever gonna hit a ton of home runs. But he's a guy that was that's a that was very highly touted coming out of high school. Was a um what's it called? He was an IMG kid. And IMG a guy Academy. that yeah, he went to IMG, shared um the left side of the infield with 
another powerful hitter and a guy named Reese Hines. He's not with the Reds organization, but Northwest Florida pro- prospect. Just yeah, throw that out there. All right, all right, but. But yeah, I mean, I think Josh will be fine. I mean, we saw him as a freshman; he absolutely ripped it as a freshman. I think, I think he's a very talented kid, a guy that, if he can play like he did his freshman season, could be a early round draft pick. And depending on his power numbers, hey, maybe he hits. Um, maybe he's a first round, late first round pick. But a lot of it's going to depend on what he does in the twenty twenty two season. Also, another thing he has to do, he needs to be more consistent defensively. If not, he's not shortstop. If he can't get, if he can't figure it out shortstop, you know, defensively, he's not going to be a shortstop, and that's going to definitely hurt his draft stock. Yeah, because I know, because the next guy I was going to ask about was Jordan Carrion, because, you know, where where would that leave him? Because I know he, when Josh Rivera was benched, that's who ended up playing shortstop, and then they moved Rivera to second. So what does that do for a guy like Jordan Carrion? Because he's uh, he's also a two-way player because he's a guy that can come out in the bullpen as well. Yeah, I don't know if they'll use him a lot of the bullpen this year because I expect a lot of pitchers to make it this class, um, this recruiting class. So I think Carrion – and also let me tell you this, Carrion is still in Gainesville and he's on a – he's trying to gain weight. He's on a weight program. He's got he's to fill in that frame. He's a small, skinny kid. But defensively, he's probably the Florida's best defensive player. And he is impressive defensively, very smooth. Um, he's got quick hands, got strong arm. And we saw it on the mound. He could top out at 91, 92. And, you know, a guy with his size, how skinny he is, that's pretty impressive to see. I think he's a guy that you pencil in right now as your starting second baseman, especially if he can get bigger and stronger. I think Kobe Alter moves to third. I mean, we saw him play third this year, and he looked – very comfortable on third. I think Rivera's your shortstop, and you got carry on at second. But let's say Rivera continues to struggle defensively. I think they'll flip-flop. Carry on goes to short. Rivera at second. And at that point, you know, the only guy that I can really see, you know, maybe a Dedrick Fabian, Judge brother, he'll be coming in this recruiting class. I think he's a guy that does make it to campus. Another guy that could make it to campus but he's actually a top 200 draft prospect, maybe 250. Um, I, don't, I think he's Lakeland kid too. It's uh, Jake Fox. Jake Fox is a guy that a left-handed hitting middle infielder that, you know, somebody compared his swing to Bryce Harper and a guy that he's not very big, but he, he can hit the ball with some authority. And he also, you know, he's a guy that I think could be a candidate to being an everyday player as a true freshman. If not, maybe wait a year and then become that everyday player that he is capable of. Yeah, and for me, another the thing is for me also the biggest question is who replaces Chris Armstrong because I expect him to get drafted and be gone after this year, after this draft as well. Surprise, surprise! I'm gonna go. I'm gonna actually gonna tell you right now. I don't think Chris gets drafted. Wow. That size with the, the kind of power he has, you don't think he gets drafted? I'll tell you why. His strike, two reasons. Number one, I think his representative is Scott Boris. And if you know Scott Boris, Scott Boris is going to try to make is trying to make his client every, all the money. He's going to try to get his clients, you know, every dime that they can. Now, with a guy that with Chris Armstrong's size, 
strength, power. You would think, you know, a team would take a chance on him. But he also struck out close to either close or over 40% of the time. That's not going to, that's not appealing to coaches, even though, you know, strikeouts are becoming more common in today's baseball. 40, striking out a 40% clip is extremely high, and that's a major red flag that teams are going to are gonna point down. So he's a guy that I think that they would rather wait another year, see if he can, you know, make more contact. Because when he puts the ball on the plate and play, it's absolutely smoked. I mean, he's like 6'4", 230, and he's a switch hitter too. It's just he's got to put the ball in play more often if he does that and continues to hit with that type of authority, he can be, you know, that high-end draft pick. But I think he's a guy that he could get drafted, but I don't think he'd get the money that Boris want, would want him to get or he would accept. So I expect him to be the first baseman at Florida or maybe DH. You know, we'll see what happens because maybe Kalilau comes back. And if Kalilau comes back, I think he's more sound defensively than Chris Armstrong. But you got to keep Chris in that lineup. I was just saying, man, I don't know if you can take Chris Armstrong out of the lineup, but at the same time, you can't take Kendrick Cavanaugh out of the lineup with the way he the way he finished up the season. I mean, coming in to hit the walk off in Florida State, he kind of just took off after that. So it was it got to a point where it's like, how do you take him out of the lineup? So those are really good. Those are actually really good problems to have. I mean, have guys like that where it's gonna it's gonna kind of be competition everywhere, you know. Kobe Hawker, like you said, I expect him to move to third. And then with Fabian gone, hopefully Jay Allen comes in and plays center field. So and Sterling Thompson, you know he's locking down right field. Who who could you possibly see replacing Jacob Young? Well, if you want to go, if you want to keep Armstrong at first, then Kyle Lau can go play left field. Kyle Lau's an option, or one of the other freshmen, Ty Evans. Michael Robinson, Corey Robinson, if they make it and if they impress, maybe they play left field. They definitely are capable if they got great speed. And, you know, it's just really, you know, I think it's going to really depend who hits in the fall. If they hit, they'll play. But, you know, like I said, I think Cali Lau could play first. We've seen him in the outfield. He's he's capable of being the left fielder. So if you have to put him in left field and put Armstrong at first, you know, then you have no issues with that. Yeah, no. Yeah, no, I I think um I I think Callie Lyle is a guy that he him, putting him in left field I, I think would be a great option. That way he can keep Chris Armstrong at first. And with Nate because with Nathan Hickey, I'm assuming you think he gets drafted and doesn't come back. Cause I know he's draft eligible. Say that again? I'm assuming with Nathan Hickey, you expect him to get drafted? Yep. I think Hickey will be gone within the first five rounds. Yeah, our best hitter, and he's gone. Wow. Oh, well, that, that's the way the cookie crumbles. Yeah, and you know what? I'm I'm, I'm sorry to, to be the bearer of bad news, but Kobe Alter and Sterling Thompson will be draft eligible after this season. Even though they're sophomores, they're draft eligible sophomores. Oh, I already expect them to possibly get drafted. So I'm already prepared for that one. Yeah, those are two-year guys. Yeah, one, yeah. Once I heard Nathan Hickey was draft eligible this year, I was looking up the roster. I was like, "Yep, yeah, 
that guy's draft eligible next year. That guy's draft eligible next year. Let me go ahead and prepare for them to be first, second round picks and gone after next season. So I'm already prepared for their potential departures. Just hope that we can replace them because I think Sterling Thompson is a guy where I, I said during the late run during the SEC tournament, the power is definitely going to come next season. If you didn't see it a whole lot this year, I think it's definitely going to come next year. If he get if he adds like fifteen to twenty pounds of muscle, watch out for that kid. That kid's gonna be a 15, 20 homer guy if he can add fifteen and twenty pounds. And being a left handed bat, yeah, scouts are gonna yeah. be salivating over him next season. So yeah. let me tell you this. If he, he there should he probably shouldn't even be at Florida. If it wasn't for COVID and you know, shutting down everything. Thompson would have probably been a second round pick, but a lot of people, but a lot of scouts didn't get to see a lot of Thompson because he was a late bloomer. He was a Stetson commit. But then, you know, once he started getting his name out there, he became a top 100 prospect. Once that happened, Florida flipped him from Stetson. And then, you know, MLB scouts started to take a deeper look into him, but they weren't able to see a lot because of COVID. So teams stayed away from him because. They didn't have a lot of information. They had more information on other guys that, you know, they, they've been scouting for a year or two already. You know, a lot of the scouts probably weren't even, didn't even know who Sterling Thompson was until, you know, last summer. I mean, two summers ago. Yeah, that's the, that's the weird thing, you know. Thompson, when Florida flips him and he's on campus. But then a guy like Zach Veen, a UCF commit, Florida flips him, and then he's the ninth overall pick in the draft. So, so it, it always seems like we flip guys from schools like that, and then all of a sudden they're late bloomers, and then boom, like with Veen, he gets drafted, and you just knew he was gone. I mean, yeah. yeah hey, look, yeah, Kobe, Mayo, Kobe Mayo was a UCF commit too, but he decommitted and flipped to Florida. Just had to bring him up. I'm, I'm, still, uh, I'm still very hurt. That the Baltimore Orioles decided to overpay for him. They did not overpay. They just they were just smart about it. Well, I they wish they were dumber because that was a kid I was hoping made his campus. I'm thinking, yes, I'm watching draft. I'm thinking, yes, there's a chance he makes it. And then there, and then they, I see him get picked by Baltimore. I was like, yeah, um, my dream of Kobe Mayo being in this lineup next season just died right here. By the way, you were talking about kids that were committed to smaller schools that now ended up in Florida. There's a kid that's in this class that is exactly like that. But I expect him to make the campus. Um, right-handed pitcher out of Lake Worth, Florida, Park Vista Community High School, Fisher Jameson. Oh, that's the name. That is six, a name. Yep. He's six he five. Like he's a really good pitcher. Yeah, six five, two twenty. Um kid. Yeah. Guess what he was committed to? I'm going to say FIU. It's not a school in Florida. Oh, wow. Um, South Alabama? Bryant University. Oh, you got to be kidding. Bryant University. Where the that heck is, is Bryant you... University? What? Where the heck is Bryant University? Rhode Island. Oh, wow. Yeah. No one knew about this kid, but then he... He just started throwing gas. He tops out at 94. And all of a sudden, Florida's like, wait, wait a minute. This guy throws how hard? 
committed where? Yeah, you're coming with me, bud. Also, another <laughs> thing was Brian Loft, their head coach. Their head, they had a head coach there for like 12 years. But now he's actually at Rutgers now, another program, baseball program that I covered. So that 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 didn't help um, Fisher and making it to that campus. So yeah, now he's now he's expected to go to Florida. Like I said, top two hundred recruit in the country. Kids very talented. Hmm. That's crazy how that works out. You know, kids are committed to. I'm not going to diss those schools because I'm pretty sure they're really good schools and. Some of those schools end up being really good teams. I mean, yeah, I'm watching the selection right. show and I'm seeing teams with records like 42 and nine. I'm like, yeah, they're 42 and nine and they're not ranked. Like, I'll tell you right now, Brian before their their head coach left, Brian would win a lot of games. Now they weren't, you know, in Omaha, but they were competitive team. And let me tell you this: Florida has a JUCO commit, one of their JUCO commits, Antonio Knowles out of Key West High School, got drafted in the 19th round by, I think, the Colorado Rockies. Guess what school he was committed to? This one's in the state of Florida. I'm not going to say FIU. I'm going to say... No, I'll give you this South Florida school. Oh, wait, don't tell... It's not FAU because they're a little too good. I'm going to I'm gonna say, like... Oh. Man, there's not really a whole lot of schools down there. Yeah, that's the thing. He wasn't committed to a Division One program. Oh, Division Two. Oh, wow. Nope. If you tell me it's a Division Three school, <laughs> he was an NEIA commit to St. Thomas University. Wow. He was committed to St. Thomas, an NEIA school. Again, but top like top three NEIA school in the country, like. They, they like St. Thomas has played against Miami in the past and has actually like competed with Miami. Like, the I think like the last time they played against each other, like Miami had to walk off like, to beat St. Thomas. Like, did, did it count as a real game or was it like no. a scrimmage? No, it was a scrimmage, but it was in the middle of the season. It was just like a random middle, like they were actually supposed to play LSU two seasons ago because Paul Maneri started his coaching career at St. Thomas. And the field's actually named after him, but because of COVID, they weren't able to play that game. Oh, okay. Yeah. But that, it, but, but yeah, St. Thomas is a, is a top NEI program. Once he, you know, was drafted, Stetson came calling. He signed, you know, told St. Thomas, hey, I'm going to Stetson, pitch there for one year, didn't like it, goes to Florida Southwestern and becomes a Juco All-American. So, so with JUCO players, you know, you you see that a lot, and we we've already addressed Bryce Harper's dad basically being crazy and doing what he did. So, like with JUCO players, like how does that work? Like, I mean, is it because maybe I'm I'm pretty sure grades may have to do with it, but is it maybe a combination of grades and them not possibly getting drafted, and then they go they decide to go JUCO one year, and then all of a sudden it's like now they're draft eligible, but they can also still go to college. So, like, is our coaches more selective in who they go after in the JUCO route? Well, big reason why a lot of kids went JUCO to begin with was because they didn't want to set out a year. So, and that's a big reason why Frankel just didn't transfer to Florida after FIU. He went to St. John's Rivers because he would actually play JUCO ball. 
he would have to sit a year at Florida before he can actually pitch for the Gators. So, and also at the same time, you know, hey, maybe I get lucky, I dominate, and I get drafted super high, and I can start my professional career. But for Franco, it was more of, hey, I can transfer and play immediately at UF. I'll go Juco. I mean, he committed to the Juco at the same time as he committed to Florida. Like, he, like on his commitment note, it was like, I'm committed to the University of Florida, but I'm ready to go to St. John's um, next season. So, I mean, that's really what it's all about. But now with the new ch- rule change, things like that are going to change. Now, unless you're – like, that's why I think like a guy like Corey Acton, who's a non-graduate transfer, I think he's a guy that um, that would go to NFIU and play immediately. Bec- and he won't have to sit out a year because that one-time transfer rule no longer uh, is in play now. And I know deep down you want him to go to FIU. But no, it just it, it just makes sense to me because he's a South Florida kid. They had you know they had a le- like a legend at second base and Derek Cartaya. He's finally gone because you know he was a fifth year senior because of COVID. But now he's gone. You know, second base is kind of wide open. Corey Acton's already from the area. It'd be an easier transition for Corey to go to FIU and be probably like a middle of the order hitter for them. And play every day. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I definitely, I definitely agree with that. I mean, Corey came when he came in against Kentucky and got the hit. It's like he, he kind of got himself going, and it's like, wow, okay, maybe he finally figured it out. He's putting it together, and then, you know, he gets pinch hit for in the South Florida game, and then doesn't play against South Alabama. And, you kind of knew right there. I mean, the writing was on the wall. You, I kind of just expected him to transfer. So yep. I mean, that that was a little that was a little. It wasn't surprising to me. And you you said um speaking of the transfer for you said the Missouri pitcher what what exactly is his name? So all right, so his first name is Seth, but the last his last name is kind of di- difficult to pronounce. I think it's Halverson, H A L V. I'm not even going to try to spell it. But Seth Halverson, he he was actually he's actually their ace pitcher. But if I'm not mistaken, oh. yeah, oh, he's their number one guy. Yeah, but he didn't put up number one numbers. Oh, okay. Like he had a six year rate, but the kid was the number one player coming out of Minnesota. He was a you know he was he was an absolute stud. Tops in a 96, 97 has a nice breaking ball. A guy that if Florida if Florida you know were to Accept him. He would be a guy that, you know, like, hey, you be our closer, and we'll see what ha- we'll go on from there. He could be a closer type guy. If they could fix his command, then he'll be a starter. Because the kids got the kids got a live arm. PG All American was actually drafted by the Minnesota Twins, his hometown team, but decided to go to Missouri. I think Missouri's going through a coaching change now because they have a lot of kids in the portal. So, I think Hal's just looking for a change of scenery. And Florida's got a, a long track record with tall right-handed pitchers and developing them and getting the most out of them. So how, if Florida were to look at him, you know, I think I think he'd be a legit option. I think I think they would have three years of three years of eligibility with him because I think he pitched in twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one. I think that's all he's pitched. So that and means, as we know, twenty twenty didn't count technically. Yeah. 
Let me see. Seth Howell, Borson. Uh, oh, as soon as I tweeted, guess what? He ain't coming. Oh, wow. Oh, he's not. He, he committed. A- he just committed to Tennessee. Yeah, that's not great. Yep, I told hey, I told you the top program was going to give a chance, give this kid a chance. He just committed to Tennessee less than an hour ago. Wow, I'm already zero for one, and if Florida's only going to grab pitchers, then they're not going to draft. I mean, they're not going to pick up um, these two kids, um, Logan Britt or the or the Griffin kid out of Northern Kentucky. Yeah, the Griffin kid from Northern Kentucky interesting was interesting to me because I think I thought he he would be a guy that could come in and and really actually make an impact because I think mechanically, mechanically I think he um I think he has stuff to pitch in the SEC. I think he does. I really do. Yeah, I like I like the plate approach with him. But the thing with but the guy I think that I think could have been the most impact Immediately would have been Logan Britt because that was a two-year starter at Texas A&M that is transferring. It was a perfect game All-American. He's like 6'5", 210, can hit for power. I was like, get this kid in left field at Florida. He'll, he'll, get, he'll, he'll hit about 10 bombs. Wait, he, he, did he commit elsewhere too? Or No, he's no, he still hasn't made a decision yet. But like I, like I was told, I think Florida's just going to go after – pitcher and that's it Seth was a guy that I targeted myself because I saw because I saw the arm talent I mean Florida ripped him but big problem with Seth is he walks so many guys like his walks per nine I think is around the seven which is horrible but he he, he you know he like his um opponent batting average isn't very high and he could strike out people but yeah t- I think Tennessee got a really good one there yeah, he just had to pick. He just had to pick that team that wears that ugly orange. Hey, man. Yeah. Hey, I'm sorry for you. You know what? You brought him up. It's your fault. You would have never known that that kid had gone to Tennessee if you didn't bring him up. No, I would have found out eventually on the message boards. You would have wrote an article about it. Nah, so I would have eventually found out. Either nah, you or Nick would have wrote an article. Probably Nick would have posted on the message boards like, "Hey, Hector did this two weeks ago. Yeah, he ain't coming. He's at Tennessee." So now I gotta look up other guys to see what could be an option for Florida. I'm imagining they'll go after a vet. Unless all of a sudden the boosters at Florida decide this uh, yeah, let me not say that. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna I was trying to find some way to get Chase Petty on campus. Yeah, you know what? Um Well with this new NIL rule, uh, maybe um <laughs> maybe maybe that'll help a little bit. No, no, he's gonna make millions of dollars. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to be the bear, to to be so honest with you, but Petty's gonna be a millionaire. So. Somebody, and guess what? And guess what? Sully, even Sully would look at the kids like, "Wait, you just turned down like two or three million dollars to not get paid a pitcher?" He did it with Carson Whitson. What? He did it with Carson Whitson years ago. Yeah, I remember Brace Singer did that. But Bracinger only turned down a million dollars, and it worked out for him. And that was a gamble. I still couldn't believe he – to this day, I still could not believe – I still cannot believe he actually made it to campus. To this day. Yeah. And when I tell you I was shocked, 
I, I literally had to pinch myself, make sure it wasn't a dream. Because I'm I'm thinking that kid just went second round. It's like, yeah, there's no way he's coming to campus. Now all of a sudden he decides, hey, um, I'm turning down the Blue Jays. I'm coming to campus. I was like, what? I like, guess did he, he doesn't really just do that. I guess he doesn't like paying high taxes in Canada. So he went to, so he's like, yeah, I'll go to Florida. I wouldn't like that either. Or getting drafted by the Dodgers, I wouldn't know. No, I don't want to pay those taxes. Now, oh. now, if it were me and I'm a prospect, I get drafted by the Yankees or the Braves or the Cubs. Yeah, um, I might have to consider that one. Yeah, definitely you. I don't know. I think I think you're more of a Marlins guy. What do you think? Well, they they are in Miami. Yeah, and they, did, and they have taken about it, and they have taken it to to the Braves this year. Yeah, we don't remember that. And I think you'd be more of a Yankees guy. You know, if the Yankees, if you were you and the Yankees drafted you, there's no way in the world you're turning down pinstripes. Especially with their paycheck, no. Especially yeah, and, plus, with... and plus to be in New York, the the his, the most historic fr- the franchise oh. in baseball history. Oh, this is interesting. Florida State just lost um their starting shortstop, Nander Dissadas. He just hit the portal. Are you serious? Yep, I'm looking wow. at it. I'm looking at it right now. Nander Dissadas transfers out of Florida State. He was a former like number six player in the country coming out of high school. He he didn't really perform. I'm not too surprised. Wow. Yeah, I mean, there's. I guess this is the way college baseball is going. You know, got a lot of guys are going to be hitting the portal, so you know there's going to be more. Yeah. There's going to be more guys. It's just. I'm looking at know. the portal now. How many people do you think are in right now? Just for baseball or in total? Baseball. I'm going to say around 200. Are you sure about that? You you want to you take another crack at it? I might have to go higher, won't I? A lot higher. Okay, I'm going to say about 900. All right, you're getting warmer, but you're still not even close. Oh, wow. If you want me, I can just tell you straight up. <laughs> I'm gonna say close to two thousand. All right, now you overshot, but um, one thousand seven hundred and twenty-six total players. Hey, I said close to two thousand. Oh, I, I heard two thousand. I was like, okay, you overshot. Now I will say this: some of these kids that are listed here are no longer in the portal because they already have new schools. But it's they just not haven't taken them out yet. No, like they just have them listed as like, hey. He's in the portal. He was in the portal, but now he's at, like, I'm looking at, like, like this guy, Nick Rogers, was at Bethune-Cookman, and his new school now is New Mexico State. You go from Bethune-Cookman to New Mexico State. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Couldn't go anywhere else, huh? Probably not. Yeah, it's an opportunity. Well, Bethune-Cookman also didn't play this year. You said what? Bethune-Cookman didn't play any sports this year. Oh, yeah, school... I think most HBCUs shut, kind of shut it down. Yeah. I think FAMU, I think FAMU was one of the only ones that played. Them and I think Jackson State, I think, played. So, yeah, yeah a lot of them kind of shut it down. And a lot of them actually shut down a lot of sports. So, so that didn't surprise me. Yep. But what do you, before, before we close out, what do you think um, – Besides um the, the obvious, like do you think with the guy because you said guys like Jay Allen 
and then you said Robertson and Robinson with their speed. Do you think Florida will be more aggressive next season on the base pass as far as stealing bases? Um, well, I mean, the game of baseball in and of itself is becoming less active on the bases. So, it, I mean, it's really going to depend on how many of those speed guys actually make it to campus. Like, if Corey Robinson and Michael Robinson are playing a lot, then, yeah, those guys will be stealing. Corey Acton will be stealing, but, you know, how many times are you actually going to try to send a guy like Matt Cassetti? Like, you're only sending him on a hit and run. Now, that's only, like, four potential guys. I think I, – did I say three or four? I think you said – Three and four, even though one of them's not at Florida anymore, because you said Corey Acton. But yeah, I think you said four. No, I said I, th- I thought I said Gasetti Carryout. I meant I meant Jordan oh, Carryout. Yeah, yeah. Carryout is the guy that can swipe some bags, but there's not a lot of guys that are geared to be like a, like a lot of base stealers. Like there's no Enrique Bradfield on that's coming in, and Enrique Bradfield stole like 46 bags this season. He he's incredible. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he yeah. When you look at the Vanderbilt, like he completely changed he, the way teams game he, plan for them. Yeah, he's the table setter. He gets on. Guess what? That's that bunt single just turned into a double because he's stealing second. Yeah, and that's I mean, yeah. You know, you have a guy like that that can steal bases, and you know, there's pretty much almost no chance of you catching them. That that changes the entire game, not only for your team, but for like I said, for how teams game plan around you. Because they have to prepare for that. And you know you know who he reminds me of? And I think he's like a carbon copy of this guy. Juan Piero. I can, I I can definitely see it. And I can I see, see it. Especially, and, and, and Enrique is a South Florida kid. He's from Hialeah. So I'm pretty sure he grew up watching JP and is modeling. Like, if you asked him, like, who do you model your game after? I'm almost certain he would say Juan Pierre. Because but he you, plays you just say like from Hialeah? Yeah. What's American Heritage and High School? We let, and we let him get out of the state. It's tough. Hey, it's tough. It is tough to keep all these kids in state, dude. He's had teammates. He had teammates, you know, committed to Florida. Now he did have a teammate that was of his that is also at Vanderbilt, Gavin Cassis. But you know, you had a Miami guy in in Gio Giuseppe and Tristan Cassis, but you know, he had Corey Acton. He had. Ryan Kabarkas, and he also had Jordan Carrion. They played together for a long time. So Bradfield made his own decision. He wanted to go to Vanderbilt. I mean, hey, it's worked out for him. He's a he's, he's not only a freshman All-American, he's an All-American. Like, he was just an absolute monster. And I, and I warned people before the series, I was like, you might not know who this kid is, but he's going to be a pain in the ass. This kid gets on, guess what? You know, you might as well start pitching out. Because that's, that's going to be the only chance you're going to have to throw them out. And even then, you don't have much of a chance. Yeah, I know. I know. Because, because, I mean, man, he times he times it perfectly. He he has, it is it's impressive how well he runs the bases. Because he's not only just extremely fast. Because let me tell you this, he is faster. I mean, I told you what the times that Robert Robinson and Michael Robertson and Corey Robinson run. They're six three guys. Bradfield's a six two, maybe a six one guy. And if you put that in the forty yard dash times, that's uh, four. That's four three speed probably. Yeah, maybe, maybe he might want to think about getting on the football team a little bit too. 
He's too skinny. He is well, too who cares, skinny. Who cares? Just put him at wide receiver. Hey, you run a go route. <laughs> we'll get it to you. No, nah, he could be he could be like a pump returner, you know, like if if no one's within ten yards, just fair catch it. But if you get the ball in his hands, he he, he would fly. He he he's he's definitely he'd be one of the fastest guys on Vanderbilt's fo- football team. That's for that's for damn sure. Yeah, I guess I guess for me, um, because I guess I just want to see Florida be more aggressive on the base pass because there are guys that are capable of stealing bases. It's just you didn't you didn't see much of it. I mean, I feel like I feel like they if they if they did it, then maybe we could have won a few more games. Like maybe against maybe in Arkansas, you know, it was hard to run on them. Maybe in Arkansas, or yeah, Arkansas Ar- Ar- had a great catcher though. Um, Casey Ortiz is great defensively, so you you want to run, but you also got to be careful. You got to be mindful of who's behind the plate. Van- Vanderbilt has another really good catcher, CJ Rodriguez. Kid's very good defense defensively. You got to be careful, and also Kumar and Jack are super quick to the plate. So it's not like, hey, I run a six-two-five, so I'm gonna be able to steal this back quickly. A lot of it also has to do with, you know, how good your jump is, how long does a pitcher take to get, you know, to throw the ball home, and then the catcher got to make a good, accurate throw and quickly. And speaking of Kumar and Jack, I'll just say this right now. Thank God they're going to be gone after this season. <laughs> yeah. Even though we touched up lighter, thank God they're going to be gone after this season. As I say that, they probably have two more first-rounders coming right behind them to replace them. I'll, I'll tell you right I'm now, Christian sure Little. Christian Little is the name to. He already he's already on their roster. Let me tell you about. Christian oh yeah, Little. I, I I saw him in the SEC tournament. I think they played LSU, and before he went out with an injury, he completely dominated that lineup. And this is what this is what had threw me for a loop. They said he was 17 years old. Yep. The time. Yeah. I'm no, like, he's still 17. He's still 17. He what, did he graduate early? Yeah, he was a 2022 kid that reclassed to 2021. And he's dominating. Wow. He is Kumar. He is Kumar Rocker light. He's 6'4", 205, and top side of 95. Yep, like I said, another first rounder right behind him. Yep. And he was their number three starter when he should have been in high school. Wow. That, that is incredible. I remember I'm watching that game as late, and I'm watching that game. I'm, I'm, I'm interested. I'm like, okay, this could be a pretty decent matchup. And just to see the way he dominated, I was like, wow, like this is impressive. And as soon as they say it was 17, I, I kid you not, my jaw dropped. Yeah, he was, the, he was the number 15 ranked player in the 2021 recruiting class. Before leaving early, he was he was Vanderbilt's third ranked, third highest ranked prospect behind the number one player in the country, Jordan Lawler, and Joshua Baez, the outfielder out of Massachusetts. Wow. Yeah, yeah, that that kid is going to be something special. He is going to be something special. I, I can tell you that right now. I mean. The see the see pitchers like like him. I mean, they they don't grow on trees. No, they they really don't. Like that's a special kind of talent. And once he really puts it all together, you can for absolutely forget about. He's, I'm guessing he's probably going to be the number one guy next year. Yeah, he will be. Yeah, unless like 
I mean, like, unless a guy like maybe Carter Holton makes it to the class, and that's the number one left-handed pitcher in the country, so that makes me think that he won't because he's a – I mean, he is a smaller guy, actually. He's 5'11", 195. Um, but he tops out in 96. I mean, look, I think, even if I, I think even I, I think even if he does make the campus, Little is the number one guy. Yeah, I think Little is the with, number one guy. With the way he performed, I mean, like I said, I was impressed. I mean, yeah. this this the Florida this the Florida podcast, but I, like you said, you got to give respect where it's due. I mean, that kid right there, yeah. wow. I yeah. mean, just no, just nothing you can say other than <laughs> what a special talent. Did, did you know he's also for Florida? God, like, what? How do we keep letting these kids get out of state? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. He's not a Florida kid. He's actually out of Georgia. I just wanted to rile you up a little bit. No, that's close to Florida. Yeah, but that's kind of Georgia. That's kind of Georgia country. It's tough for Florida to pull kids out of Georgia unless they're like pretty close to the border because most of those kids probably grew up Georgia Bulldog fans. So, you know, they got you know they got ties over there. But I like this Florida class, the 2021. Like it's like the most like diverse because usually like Sully just like grabs kids from the, you know, some of the best kids in the state of Florida. And he's like, all right, that's good enough for me. But this class, he has two kids from New Jersey. Um, Petty and one of them. Eh, no, maybe maybe um uh, maybe Pierce makes it. Um, and then the only other non-Florida kid in the class is um lefty Philip Abner. Out of North Carolina. Really? And that, I think wow. that kid will make it to campus. Recruiting North Carolina. I like it. I like recruiting yeah. North Carolina. And that Abner kid's also another draft eligible sophomore. He's 19 years old right now. Wow. Well, we'll only have him for two years if he makes it to campus. Yeah. But the, New, but the New Jersey kids, yeah, there's no way in the world one of them is making it to campus. I'm telling you, be careful. I think Kapala makes it, and if he makes it, that's Penny, that's Penny another AJ Puck. That's another AJ Puck makes it. Yeah, Penny's not making it. No, that that, no. that was the one I was talking about. He's not making it unless, uh, unless y'all want to start a GoFundMe and pull the money together and whatever um team drafts some off. I, I think that's highly budget. illegal, Anthony. I think that's very illegal. We'll use it for the NIL thing. Get some commercials in. No, it still wouldn't be enough money. Yeah. <laughs> no. Hey, before we, yeah, before we close, before we close out, do you have any final thoughts on um, just this disaster of a season? I mean, look, if you're the Florida Gators, you know, you gotta look yourselves in the mirrors. You know, think what happened wrong, what went wrong this season. I mean, there's a lot of things you can point to, personally, but. You know, you kind of, you almost kind of got to forget the season even happened. You for you, yeah. you learn, you learn from your mistakes, and you throw the season away. You're like, okay, this is what we effed up on. Let's not let's ever talk about it again. We're on, we're on, just like as Bill Belichick would have said, we're on a Cincinnati. Sully and, and the Gators have to go. We're on a 2022. That's what that's got to be their main focus. 2022. Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely agree. You kind of just, like you said, put this season behind you, and j- just move on to next year. Think, go, get back on the field when you while you have time off. 
Yeah, you, there's going to be guys in the Cape Cod League, so you know they're going to be um, they're going to be getting some extra work in, which I like. I mean, so you just get you get that work done, work on things you need to work on, come back next season and be a much better team than you were this season because I think next year they could be a really really good team, even though they're going to be young. So I I just hope everything goes well with them, and you know they just um they they put it all together. This roster will definitely not like talent. Yeah, they won't like they won't like any kind of talent whatsoever. But let everybody know where we can follow you and read your articles, and and follow you on Twitter and Instagram if you have on it. I got Instagram, but do anything special on Instagram. But if you want to do follow me on Twitter, I am at Hector (laughs) underscore baseball. I am the I am the baseball analyst for Gators Territory on Rivals. Same. As Connor and, but yeah, I mean, me and Nick do a great job covering the baseball program, and you know we're gonna continue to do it this off season. There, you know, just because the season's over doesn't mean there's not college baseball content out there. There will be, and look, you're, I'm pretty sure you're gonna start seeing some commits, some baseball commits start rolling in because there are still some spots available in the 2022, 23, and 24 classes. And yes, Florida will pick up at least one twenty twenty four commit in this this past this summer. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And and you can follow me on Twitter at Ace Wade One and on Instagram at Ace underscore Wade One. And you can follow the podcast on Twitter at Inside underscore Swamp and on Instagram at Inside underscore Florida Athletics. And if just in case Nick doesn't listen to Connor Hector, um. I'm gonna need you to talk to Nick and uh, hook us up for the Alabama game this this upcoming season. I mean, yeah, I mean we we don't have to be in the press box or on the field. Just, just, just put us some somewhere in the stadium where we can be in there just in case Florida wins and we can all lose our minds because we won. So if if you and Connor can hook that up for us, it would be very much appreciated. I don't know anything about tickets, but you know maybe maybe the stadium's hiring. You know, maybe maybe they could use some like fan ambassadors or something. I think you'd be great for that, Anthony. And you can quit right after the Alabama game. Yeah, you know, I, I might have to look into that. Seriously, find some way to be. I work concession stand just to be at the game if I have to. I work concession stand for that day, just as long as I get to see the game while while working. Yeah, but yeah, but yeah, this has been another great episode of Swamp Inside Florida Athletics, even though we discussed the disastrous baseball season. It's not always going to be positive. There's going to be some criticism. We have to be fair on, and be on both sides. But this this is our first really negative. We're going to try and be more positive. We'll have more positive news next week. But, yeah, um, it, it was great having you on, Hector, and we're definitely going to continue to have you on. Even during football season, we're definitely gonna have you on during football season because I know you got a lot yep. of things for football. So we definitely have to have you on during that as well. But, sounds good. Sounds good. Yeah, I probably, definitely. you know what? How about after the MLB draft, we'll talk. Yeah, we definitely will. Or you want to talk pre pre draft or post draft? I think we can do. Oh, both. oh, we can do. We can do both of those. We can yeah. definitely do both of those. Pre draft, I can put my predictions out on who makes it, who doesn't. I gotta talk to. I gotta talk to people. Yeah, I think uh, I had to get. I think we have to get you and Nick on for that because I know he's going to be on top of that as well. Yep. 
definitely. All and right. With that, we what well, we like to always say, go Gators. Thank you for having me on. We have definitely night, appreciate guys. it. Yeah, have a good night. Go Gators. It's the off season. Let's keep it tall. Y'all ain't fucking with my man. And don't check your watch. You know the time. Cold world. Killer can. Niggas is fucking yeah. finished. This shit too easy for me now. Nigga Cole been going plat since back when CDs was around. What you sold, I tripled that. I can't believe these fucking clowns. Look how everybody clapping when your 30s song album do a measly hundred thou. If I'm betting on myself, then I completely double down. If you hate it on a nigga, please don't greet me with a pound I be staying out the way, but if the beef do come around Could put an M right on your head, you Luigi brother now Trace my steps all in this game, you can see we cover ground Back and forth from NC to New York when Jeezy had the crown Vivid memories, niggas start to squeeze, we ducking down So many shells left on the ground, and make the Easter Bunny proud I get up, dust my clothes off, sleep is the cousin of death No plans to doze off, the streets that don't come with a Ref. I never sold soft, just creep where the hustlers crept and got they O's off. You reach niggas up and like Steph to blow your nose off. Kazoom tight and then resume flight as if it never happened. Shit, we witnessed full of so much sickness. Angels shedding tears in heaven. Word to Eric Clapton. Off this clever rapping, bitch, my pockets gon' forever fatten. They gon' forever fatten. See? You try to tell niggas, they act like they don't even fucking speak English. Bitch, my pen of the paper's lethal. I'm sending them straight to meet the, the nigga that made them peep the Reaper, creeping on you. The sin of failure reeking on you. Check your genitalia, pussy niggas bleeding on you. Self, fucking with coal is bold, but it's impeding on your health. All your niggas eating off your wealth. All my niggas feeding all they selves. And it feels swell. Krispy Kreme dreams. Sometimes my dogs wanna kill 12. Uh. Cause they steady harassing We seen dilemmas like Nelly and Kelly That end in the deli is fashion My young niggas nutty, they blasting Bullets be humming like Cuddy But one of your hoodies, spaghetti or splashing All over the driveway Y'all talking on sideways Shots popping off y'all laid down Cops talking off y'all legs now Shit Y'all watching hey Yahweh My niggas look up to the sky like we sending in Yahweh We sending in Yahweh That's what the fuck I'm talking about Y'all see what the fuck going on out here Killer Harlem, I-9-5 shit, Carolina, 2-6, stand up, nigga.